Alex fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we have a special show for you this week. We hope you're enjoying your 4th of July and Canada Day and having a good weekend, and we're going to get you caught up on all the action with the Ducks, everything that happened on the uh, first day of free agency. We're also going to talk about stuff around the league, get to your uh, questions, and you know, talk about what the Ducks are going to do next, hopefully, as they still have some cap space to play with. Um, so we'll start off with the uh, first day, Eddie. The big news that came out, we, we knew it was coming and it happened, was Cam Fowler got an extension for eight years, uh, $6.5 million. What did you think about this? Uh, I know a lot of most people were pretty happy to see that Fowler's going to be a duck for a long, long time. Yeah, you know, I think it's around what we thought. I think it's the top end of what we thought he was going to be. I don't think anybody thought it'd be more than six and a half. I think I had him around early on five and a half to six. But I, you know, I think it's fair. Um, obviously, now he becomes the the top paid defenseman on the Ducks, longest contract by by a fair bit. So, uh, but I think he's deserved it. Um, you know, that will take him to uh, thirty two or thirty three. So. That that's a long, long contract to sign, <laughs> but you know he's gonna he's just getting into his prime, like like uh, Bob Murray said yesterday. Uh, that'll take him right until about the end. So when he's thirty three, I don't you know, it, it depends on the player, but he'll he'll probably be at the point where that contract stops making sense. So I think it's good for the Ducks, and obviously with the cap going up, it's going to be less impactful. Um, and really, I mean, it, with getting rid of Theodore. You know, it looks like the future of the Ducks on the left side of defense is going to be Fowler and Lindholm. So getting him for six and a half when you see guys like Vlasic, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, going for seven million for eight years at thirty years old. You know, I think it's a it's a pretty good deal for him to sign at this point. You know what amazed me too about this, Eddie, is you know just last season before this, they were talking about you know the trade rumors of Fowler. Then Fowler, uh, you know, Fowler has a really great uh, season last year. You know, he, he gets 39 points. This is the highest total he had since his 40-point uh, total his rookie season. Uh, you know, he plays well um, offensively and defensively. Unfortunately, of course, he, he was injured, didn't play all the playoffs. But, um, you know, just really stepped up his game, and it's just crazy to see. And, and he talked about this, you know, and some of the comments uh, that he talked to the media about the turnaround and how – um, it went from you know possibly being on another team to now being on the Ducks, and like you said, he's on this team. You know, uh, granted he fulfills the contract, but I mean he's on here longer than Perry, Getzloff, Kessler, Raquel. You know, all these other players that the Ducks have signed uh, through 2021 or 2022. Um, it's just amazing uh, that he got that deal. I agree with you. I think it's a good deal. Um, it's a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be, uh, not as in a bad sense, but. I think uh, in terms of the age, and like you said, we'll talk about some of these other contracts uh, that happened and unfolded on the first day of free agency. But overall, I think it's a great deal. Um, good direction for the Ducks. And like you said, you got Lindholm and Fowler back there. I mean, it, it's going to be solid for the Ducks on the blue line. Yeah, and, and really this deal takes him probably set to be the, the Ducks' all-time leading scorer and defenseman by the time uh, by the time this contract's finished, you would assume. I mean, he's, he's pretty, pretty high up there already, and uh, I mean... You would think at already having 217 points, 
with the the only guy in front of him being Scotty Niedemar at 264. He's definitely going to clear that by the time this contract's done. So I mean, yeah, I, I mean it's great to have him here for for eight more years. He he like from the comments he said yesterday. He obviously loves being here. He loves the locker room. Uh, he loves being in California as well. But that's not all part of it. So it, it's great. And and you know. You can't complain when you have Fowler and Lindholm as your your top two guys on the left side, and you've got Montour coming up on the right. You still got Vaughn in uh, if he's going to start the season with the Ducks or not. But you know Larson coming up as well. So uh, you know it, it, the Ducks are set on defense. It, it's going to the future's looking pretty bright at least. Well, then we talked about the defense, uh, and you know if the Ducks were going to do anything, and obviously they didn't really add any players, but they extended Fowler. The other area that we had talked about was obviously the goalie situation. We knew uh, Gibson being the starter, of course, and the Ducks having no backup, and the Ducks took care of that also um, on that first day of free agency, Eddie. They went out um, and got Ryan Miller, which was pretty much expected. You saw um, Bob McKenzie tweeting that out a couple times during the week. Other people were too, and then he tweeted it out early uh, that morning before the actual uh, you know official uh, day got underway so Bernier leaves uh, you know he had his two million dollar deal he is ended up going to uh, Colorado if you didn't know that and Miller comes in at two million so basically the Ducks in, in my mind and you and I talked about this got pretty much the best backup goalie out there and they got up at the same price so the Ducks cap remains in the you know at the same right around 5.5 5.7 million yeah, and it, this deal finally happened. I mean, it's been rumored <laughs> for a couple seasons for him coming here. Obviously, his wife works uh, in Hollywood, so uh, it's been rumored for a while that they've wanted to come here and that Anaheim would be the destination, and, and obviously it finally happens in, in free agency. But, you know, I think they did. Uh, we, we talked about this on the last podcast, and we thought that they wouldn't be able to afford him and that, you know, he might end up wanting too much money around three or even close to the $4 million he had before, even with his play declining. But... You know, then before, right after that, we heard the the rumor that it was going to be one million dollars with some bonuses, and then obviously the final contract is two years and two million. And I still think it's a pretty good deal. I, I mean, you know, he's not going to play the fifty games that he played the the last two seasons. I mean, um, Gibson, sorry, is going to be the starter for sure, and he's going to probably play about fifty games, if not a little bit more. Um, for this next season. So that leaves Ryan Miller playing about 20 to 30, and I think that's going to really suit him. I, I think he's a great goaltender still. You know, if he comes in and only plays about 20 to 30 games, he can make a huge difference. And, you know, he's got that experience as well. Coming to the playoffs this time, you know, obviously Bernier was the guy who had to come in, had very limited playoff experience. And now you've got Miller to come in if if Gibson struggles. And he's been there. He's done it. He's, you know, he's he's gone far with the Sabres. And I, I think, you know, that this is a great move for the Ducks. And at $2 million for only two years, I mean, it's like dumping off Bernier and taking half and getting a better goalie. You know, what's interesting, too, is about this. We'll kind of take one fan question early about this, too, Eddie. We had Victor ask. He goes, what do you think about Miller pushing Gibson in terms of maybe taking over uh, his position or, you know, kind of like that Anderson-Gibson thing, splitting time? Do you do you see any of that maybe unfolding this season at all? Um. I, you know, I could see it because Miller's been a starter before. I mean, he was a starter last year pretty much in Vancouver because he played 54, 54 games. He was a starter the season before that because he played 51. He's been pretty much a starter for his whole career. So um, if Gibson struggles and Miller can step in and play well, yeah, I could see it happening. Um, you know, we saw it happen for a bit, obviously, when Gibson went down with injury when Bernier came in. Um, and played really well last year, but you know if anybody's going to be able to push him to for a starting job, it's it's got to be Ryan Miller because he's been a starter for pretty much his whole career. 
Yeah, and some don't let some of the numbers fool you out there too, because I know some people go back and they look at the wins and the losses the last couple seasons. They're like, oh, well, you know, Miller's you know win loss record is pretty terrible, and I mean, yeah, you, of course it is. But he also played on Vancouver, and we all know how they've done the last two seasons. They've been terrible. So don't read too much into his win losses. You know, his save percentage was still up there. You know, nine four nine one four nine one five somewhere in there. Um, goals against, you know, 2.7, 2.8 in that range. So not spectacular numbers, but, um, you know, still decent numbers for a, a goalie. Um, you know, like I said, ignore the win-loss type deal because it's just with Vancouver. We, we know what's going on with Vancouver and how they've been. So, um, so that was the second uh, big news of the day. And then, or, or at least for the Ducks, that is. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other stuff we're going to cover around the league. But for the Ducks, those were the two big uh, moves. Then they also made some minor ones too, Eddie. They uh, they signed two forwards, uh, Derek Grant and Michael Liambas. Uh, not two big name guys, but uh, Nate Thompson left and went to Ottawa. If you also, if you didn't hear about that, so this Derek Grant guy is a guy um, that they signed to a one year deal, 650k. Um, he played 40 games for Buffalo last season. He's a, a left shot center, and he's a guy that can uh, win faceoffs. Um, is a good penalty killer. Does it sound familiar? Um, you know, so he could f- maybe fill in Nate Thompson's spot on the fourth line, Eddie. Uh, you know, he may also play in San Diego too. But depending on what they do with all the centers, you know, if Raquel plays wing or center or whatnot, uh, we may see uh, Grant on the fourth line to take Thompson's place. Yeah, you know, I think he probably starts. Um, in San Diego, um, you know, it all depends me because they, they have the option of maybe putting Wagner at center, uh, right. they played shot center a bit last year. Didn't really work out that great. But then you, like you said, you've got Vermat, you could put Raquel at center. Um, and obviously Getzloff and Kessler are going to play center. So there's a lot of options for them. Um, it's just, you know, it's a depth forward pretty much. He is on a one-way deal. So anytime, if he does start in Anaheim, he's going to have to clear waivers to go back down, but it's very doubtful unless he plays strong in Anaheim that he's going to be picked up. So I, uh, you know, I think it's an okay signing. Pretty much fills a not to the same extent, but fills what Thompson brought to this team. Um, you know, Vermet really fills that role uh, anyway that that Thompson leaves behind uh, as a fourth line center. Uh, and then it all depends what the Ducks do after that if they decide to play Raquel as a third line center or they decide to, like I said, play Wagner or Shaw. So I think they're okay. You know, uh, Mike Liambis, I doubt we see much of him this year. <laughs> um, from what I've heard, he's pretty much an enforcer, and we've already got one of those in Bowl who seems to play in the lineup more than we'd like. So I don't think we, you know, I think both of them are, I think, more focused on the goals with Derek Grant possibly having the option to come up and play maybe 20, 30 games at most with the Ducks this season, depending on injuries. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think they'll both spend a majority of the time in San Diego. I just thought that the Derek Grant one was kind of interesting because when I uh, read some of the scouting reports and things about him and it's just like, he sounded like uh, Nate Thompson. So he, like you said, he could fill in on the fourth line, but he's not going to be up there full time with the ducks. That's for sure. Um, like you said, maybe Wagner or Shaw on that line, or as we'll see with Raquel and Vermint, how that all plays out up there on the third line together, or if they both go to the center role. So that's what the ducks ended up doing uh, for the first day. Uh, you know, and some people asked about that, Eddie, you know, we had uh, Phil ask us, you know, did we think, that uh, we'll be surprised about what the Ducks had done on the first day and if they should have done more. Um, I, I say yes and no, Eddie. Uh, I think the Fowler extension was expected, so we were glad that was done. Um, I think getting Miller as the backup was the best thing the Ducks could have done because they got him at the same price they had at Bernier. 
Um, they added some depth players like we just talked about. And then as far as, uh, you know, the only thing I think that they still need to do is they need to go get a forward, Eddie, and, and there's plenty of them out there, and that's what uh, I think that they're trying to do. Um, and that's basically the first day how I saw it. I thought they did well. I think they accomplished almost everything on that day. Yeah, I, I mean, really, uh, I would have been surprised if they signed a forward with all the news that kind of came out the night before free agency. Uh, you look at what Gagne signed for, because uh, I kind of hyped him up on the last podcast. <laughs> he signed three three by three with, with Vancouver of all teams, but I don't think the Ducks were comfortable giving him three years at $3 million. Um, you know, you look at uh, Kunitz going only for $2 million for one year to, to Tampa Bay. I'm not sure if the Ducks were in on that or not. It's something they definitely could have afforded, but there must have been a reason that they didn't go that route, uh, whether it be Kunitz didn't want to come here, wanted to go to Tampa Bay, whatever whatever the, the reason being. But, you know, I think signing Ryan Miller was great. We knew they would sign a goalie. Um, at the time of the last podcast, we were leaning to, towards Anders Nielsen, uh, and then obviously the stuff came out with Miller, which was great. Uh, signed a couple depth players, which we just mentioned. So now, like you said, it all comes down to a forward, uh, and there's not much available. Uh, I mean, all the the news right now is just centering around Marlowe and the Ducks are in on him. Dallas is apparently on in on him, but they're waiting on Radulov's decision. The Leafs are still on Marlowe as well, and he's just coming to a decision, which it might come today, it might come tomorrow. We don't really know. So if they miss out on him, uh, I mean, they still do. We we still believe they need a forward, um, and it's going to be interesting to see which route they go. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of the news yesterday did center around uh, you know San Jose. Uh, basically, Thornton ended up going uh, or not really going back, but he's staying with San Jose for one more year at six million. Uh, Velasic signed that that huge deal that you had mentioned earlier. You know the seven million eight year deal. Um, so now they're they're going with you know Burns and Velasic on their blue line as their two big guys for the long term, and then Marlow and that's the one that's been bouncing around still out there. I mean San Jose still has 11 million in cap space, so they can definitely you know sign him if they want to. Um, it's it's kind of interesting now that Thornton went back for one year. So now does Marlow go back there for uh, one year, uh, Eddie, or do you think he goes to another team and then maybe? Thornton follows him after the one year to that other team. I mean, it's kind of a weird situation going on here. I mean, it's just like the Marlowe watch now because all these other players have gone everywhere. And um, I would like for him to, you know, come to Anaheim. Obviously, we talk about left wings and we look at what's out there. And as you mentioned, there's not a whole lot uh, left. Uh, a lot of these players got picked up. A lot of the former Ducks and, and whatnot uh, have gone on to other places. So that's the, the key. I think Marlowe is the one that the Ducks are going to shoot for. If they don't get him, though, Eddie, uh, the pickings are slim. Yeah, and it's it's a weird situation. I, I mean, the rumored deal that San Jose is offering is about three years, around $3 million, uh, is what kind of keeps popping up from San Jose. And, you know, it, I think it's a hard decision for him. I, I mean, he's been there his whole career. You know, it's it's hard for a guy to leave a team after being there, being there for his whole career, especially at 37. You know, three years would take him most likely to retirement, and, and that's a hard deal to pass up on. Uh, but again, you got to think too. You know, does he think he can win the cup with San Jose in those three years? You know, that's a that's probably why he's thinking about maybe going to t- Toronto or going to the Ducks or going to Dallas. You know, two teams in, in Dallas and Toronto that are trending upwards and obviously a team in Anaheim that almost won it all this year. So um, I think it's interesting. I mean, um, you know, if he goes to Toronto, they have the cap space to maybe hold him for two years. I think the Ducks uh, would be 
betting a little bit too much if they went for two for three years, maybe two uh, around three million as well. So it, it, he's probably got about the same in uh, in value uh, across all four of those teams. But I think the term and then obviously the the issue with staying in San Jose. I think that's probably what he's deciding on right now. But yeah, if the Ducks do miss out on him, there's not much out there. There's you know there's UC Jokinen, there's PA Parento, there's a couple other guys as well. But there there really isn't much when you get away from Marlowe. So it, it'll be interesting to see if they if they go and get one of those other guys in free agency, or if they maybe go in and they look for a trade again. I don't really know. Yeah, some of those other names out there too. Uh, you know, the the one that's been joked about a lot is uh, Yager. He's still out there. Obviously, he's been you know tweeting about the lack of phone calls that he's been getting. Um, so he's still there. Uh, that's one that you know. I know I've been talking to several people about Yager, and they're like, "Oh, it'd be great." You know, we get Yager jerseys and yada yada yada. But uh, you know, honestly, I mean, if you're going to get Yager, it's going to be like a one year deal. I mean, I don't know. I I rather have uh, you know Marlow for two or three years uh, than Yager for one year. I mean. I mean, that's just the way I look at it. But if you look down the list uh, of people that are out there, the UFAs, uh, and especially the left wingers, like Eddie said, there's not a lot. Uh, the drop-off after Marlowe is pretty significant. I mean, you've got uh, Drew Stafford's uh, out there, uh, right wing more so than left wing, but he can play both. Um, you got Jokinen, as you mentioned. Uh, Shane Doan is still f- uh, floating out there also, right wing and left wing. Um, Bannock, another guy that maybe you would sign for a year, you know, but he's you know kind of been up and down all over the place. Um, you've got uh, Yuri Hudler. He's out there as well, left wing, right wing. So you've got a handful of guys out there, but the drop-off is just significant. I mean, um, after Marlowe. So I think it's really the Marlowe sweepstakes right now. Um, and some of the other guys are gone too. You know, uh, you know, Gagne, the one that we were big on, went to Vancouver. Uh, Versteeg went to um, Calgary, so he's gone. Uh, we talked about Bonino. He ended up uh, going to our favorite team, Nashville. And then Kunitz went to Tampa Bay. So, you know, a lot of those guys that we had talked about on the show last week, Eddie, have all been picked up. So it, it's slim pickings after Marlowe. Yeah, and, and really if I was to go with one after Marlowe, I think – you know the best option right now for the Ducks is probably UC Okunen. Uh, you know I think he he does everything well pretty much. You know he he's good defensively. He doesn't have the speed he used to have. You know the goal scoring was a little bit off, but I, I think he's a good fit. Uh, you know for a second line guy on, on this Ducks team, maybe a third line guy as well. If you decide to depends on how the lineups uh, match out this year. Obviously we would assume Kessler, Silverberg. And uh, Coglano are together, so either does he play on on the left of Getzlaff and Eves, or does he play on the left of what we'd assume would probably be Raquel and Perry? You know, it it all depends. It, it'd be interesting to see, but I think he's the best option. You know, Vanek, he's a goal scorer, but that's pretty much it. You know, you, you'd have to shelter him on a line with you know Getzlaff and Eves, where he can just focus on offense, doesn't have to focus on too much defense. I think that would be the best uh, spot for him. But but really, I think that's why we haven't seen the Ducks do too much, uh, is because I think they're focused on on Marlow. I think that's their number one priority right now and if they don't get him you know i think if they decide to not go the free agent route they would have to go for a trade if they were going to bring in a forward you know we have a fan question for matthew about that too he asks about the ducks making a trade and obviously the name of course that's come up for the last couple of weeks has been botnan so he he uh, throws out DeShane in there too so he wonders what do you think about a trade uh involving those two players and we might as well just talk about any kind of trade. What what do you think as far as if the Ducks don't go for a UFA, Marlowe gets picked up for you know someone, and they don't the Ducks don't want to pick any of these other players as we've mentioned. 
Um, what do you think as far as a trade, especially if it involves Vatnin? Um, I don't think for Duchesne, I, I don't think it's a realistic possibility anymore, um, even if it was ever. I mean, the Ducks, Duchesne talks have picked up in the last few days, and the Ducks have been nowhere uh, around that news whatsoever. It's been Columbus, it's been Nashville, and more, more recently it's been Boston. And you look at the the, the offers, that the, the, the rumored guys going back, Brendan Carlo from Boston, uh, Ryan Murray from Columbus, uh, possibly Ellis or Ekholm from from Nashville, and you know I think Vatnin would fit into that type of player, but I'm not sure what the other pieces were, and, and obviously if the Ducks aren't mentioning that, I'm sure they're just not interested in bringing in you know a, a guy like that at six million and having to you know worry about that contract and and just I'm not sure they're 100% sold on on getting rid of Vatnin yet, and and I think they're still focused on this Marlowe stuff, so. And just getting involved in this Duchesne sweepstakes is messy. Obviously, Joe Sackick is holding out for as much as he can get, and I don't think uh, the Ducks are interested in, in going that route. Uh, as for another trade, uh, I mean, the rumors are always there around around JVR in Toronto. Um, I think that could still be a possibility. Uh, you know, obviously, they've got Morgan Riley, Nikita Zaitsev, Jake Gardner as their top three. Just signed Ron Hainsey but he'll probably fit into that uh, bottom six with Connor Carrick. So they do still have a spot for a right-handed playmaking defenseman. So there's obviously something that could still work out there. You know, they make similar contracts uh, in, in, in Van Riemsdyk and Vatnin. So there's the chance for a deal to go through there. I don't know if it will. Um, to me, I think the most interesting one, and it, there was, been, there's been no rumors around it, but I was just looking at the, the cap for the Red Wings, and they've only got $3.5 right now. Uh, obviously, Franzen will probably go back on the long-term injury reserve once the season starts, but they still have to sign RFA's Thomas Tatar, Xavier Willette, and Andreas Athanasiou. So, you know, that's not a lot of money left to sign a guy like Thomas Tatar, and we've heard a lot of the rumors of offer sheets for, for Leon Dreisaitl, and there's obviously the, the stigma around the NHL that you can't offer sheet a guy because you're going to get it back in a couple seasons when you have to sign your own RFA's, but... You know, it won't happen. I doubt it. But I think a, a great option, in my opinion, for the Ducks would to be go out, offer sheet Tatar for more than the the Red Wings have in, in cap. So offer sheet him at four million. The compensation is a first round and a third round pick of next season. And I honestly think that that's a great option. I mean, I doubt it happens because we never see teams offer sheet anybody anymore. We the last one I think was Calgary offer sheeting Ryan O'Reilly, and before that it was Philadelphia offer sheeting Shea Weber. But you know, I think it's a great opportunity. If if you get them, you you lose your first and third round pick. I don't think that's a, a too much to lose for a guy like Thomas Tatar. I think if you were to acquire him at the deadline, I think pretty much anybody would be happy giving away a. Uh, outside of the lottery first-round pick and a third-round pick for a guy like Thomas Tatar. Um, and, and he would immediately help the Ducks' top six, and you don't have to lose Sammy Votnin. And really, you know, I don't know if they do it. I doubt they do it. Um, you never, like I said, you never really see a guy get offer sheeted. But if anybody's in a difficult position to sign a player right now, it has to be the Red Wings, and I think it would be a great opportunity for the Ducks to go out and get a top six forward. Yeah, I mean, that situation in Detroit is very, very interesting because they're stuck right now. They're going to have to do something. Like you said, you got those three guys to sign. Uh, Tatar, you know, obviously we Tatar was one that we had talked about, uh, you know, earlier uh, this season as far as the Ducks trying to go get someone. Uh, I think we even talked about it before the season. So um, I agree with you. I doubt Murray does it. But 
I mean, if any team needs a forward right now and they've got, you know, four plus million, <laughs> I would be sending an offer sheet over to Detroit right now. I mean, like you said, there's some kind of stigma with it. The GMs don't like to do it because they're afraid that they're going to get retribution back when it's their turn to, you know, sign an RFA. So it's very, very unlikely to do it. But it's funny that you mentioned that. We were looking through some of the teams and their cap situations before the show, and this was the one that stood out to us. And, you know, if, if the Ducks need a forward and one that's going to fit, especially Tatar, you know, 25 goals last season, you know, he's, he's averaging over 20 goals the last four seasons. Uh, that's a guy that the Ducks could try and do that move with because obviously they can't, you know, trade a Votnin because Detroit doesn't even have the cap space to take that on. So that's a big one out there. But I think realistically uh, the Ducks are going to try to, you know, um, win the Marlowe sweepstakes, which I don't know if they will. And then if not, they're going to try to go with one of these other forwards that are out there. I mean, there's there's still some other, uh, you know, names out there that aren't necessarily left wings too. Not that the Ducks would go after these people. You know, Agenla's out there, but he's getting up in age. Fisher, which I know a lot of us uh, don't really uh, like, especially after the playoffs last season, he's out there. Gianta as well. So, you know, there's still other guys out there. I think the biggest problem with most of these, Eddie, is that they're up there in age. I think, like you said, Jokinen's probably one of the younger um, choices. I mean, most of these guys are getting up there. So, yeah, the Ducks still need to do something, though. Um, that was one of the other fan questions we had, Eddie, too, is um, – what you know what the given what the ducks did on day one so far you know what do you think how they'll do as far as getting to the stanley cup next season and i think they can still go far uh obviously um getting millers the backup uh keeping eaves they got holzer as their seventh defenseman which isn't a big deal but you know it's always good to have that seventh guy um i i like the makeup of the team right now i i still think that they can win the pacific and and go far in the playoffs but they're going to still need to add somebody, Eddie. I, I mean, they've got to do something because if they don't, I, I just feel like they're one player away still. Yeah, I mean, right now this is exactly the same team as last year except Ryan Miller's replaced Jonathan Bernier, and you've lost Nate Thompson, but that's not a huge loss anyway. So, this, yeah, it's exactly the same team as last year, so you would expect that they would be able to make the playoffs and, and do well. But you got to look at the other teams in, in the division too. Calgary's got a lot better. They had Travis, Ham- Travis Hamannick. Um, you know they re-signed Michael Stone. Their their defense is looking uh, amazing in Calgary right now. They got Mike Smith in net. You know they they've got Eddie Lack as well as a backup. Um, their forwards are obviously another year with more experience and and uh, Matthew Kachuk and and Johnny Goodrow and Sean Monahan and Sam Bennett. So they're going to be a good team next year, and they're going to challenge for a playoff spot. And obviously the Oilers under Connor McDavid are going to push for the, the Pacific Division title as well, just like they did last season. Um, you know, the Sharks will want to make a push. They're getting Joe Thornton back. It depends if they get Marlowe back or not. Uh, obviously with Brent Burns and, and Vlasic and Martin Jones, they're going to make a push. Uh, the Coyotes are a better team this year too, which is interesting. Obviously getting uh, Stepan and, and Ranta and, and, you know, just – that's a better team. I don't know if they're going to push for a spot, but it depends on how well Dylan Strom does there, so it's going to be difficult to play them. It always is. Uh, and then the Kings, you have to look at them as well. I, I mean, they'll probably push. Mike Camilleri might not be enough for them. They lost Brady McNabb. It's going to be difficult for them, but uh, you know, I think they'll push. There'll be a lot of teams pushing for playoff spots, pretty much everybody except for Vancouver and probably Las Vegas now. So, you know, that's five teams that you have to watch out for in that division. And it's going to be tough for them to make it. And I think they are, like you said, one piece away from really 
making themselves that much better. Um, and it depends on where they get that from, whether it be Marlowe, whether it be James Van Riemsdyk, like we said, could it be Thomas Tatar, could it be somebody else like UC Okanen or another free agent. We'll have to wait and see, but I think they definitely need to add at least one more piece. You know, and, and, and speaking about the current situation with the team, uh, this came up. It was kind of funny. We were, we were talking about backup goalies this last week and, you know, uh, what the Ducks were going to do. And then <laughs> the discussion got all turned up on Twitter and I think Facebook, too, where we ended up talking about Perry, <laughs> which always seems to come back up because uh, Perry uh, scored 19 goals last year. Uh, you know, one of his lowest totals since uh, uh, really since 2006 uh, when, you, you know, he had one. Uh, in between there, that was less, but that was the uh, the shortened season. But in terms of full seasons, since 2006, it's the first time that he's uh, scored less than that. So one of the questions is, is do we think Perry will do better next season? Uh, for, you know, Matt asks us that. And I think he will, Eddie. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, put pressure on him. Uh, I think we, we put a little bit on there, too. Um, but the thing is with uh, Perry, as you look at his stats, I mean, he had the same types of shots. He's still doing the same things. I just think in his game, maybe not going to the net as much, Eddie. I think he needs to do a little bit more of that this season. That can help the Ducks too push, you know, in the playoffs because, uh, you know, when the Ducks almost made it last time uh, when they they played, um, you know, Chicago and missed out, you know, one game away from the Stanley Cup final that year. I mean, he did remarkable in the playoffs. So and and decent in the regular season. So that's what I see with Perry. I think he is going to do better. Um, I don't think there's a lot of tweaks he needs to do. I just think he needs to get more, uh, you know, in front of the opposing goalie's crease and create havoc like we've seen him do before. Yeah, and honestly, I think if he just, you know, he could play similar to what he did last year in a way, and and really he things should start to trend upwards for him. I mean, he he almost had an identical season in shots and time on ice to the season he had. Uh, before that, where he scored 34 goals and had 62 points, and nobody said he had a bad season that year. Um, you know, his, his shooting percentage was way down. It was eight and a half percent. You can say what you will, and and, and how why it was like that this year it could be luck, uh, it could be the amount of the chances, quality chances he was getting, the positions he was getting, and who knows. But usually, guys will trend upwards towards their career average, which for Perry is 13.2. And and really, for every season that he's had under. Ten uh, percent in a shooting percentage. He's scored under twenty goals, and the only two seasons he's done that were the oh six oh seven, where he scored seventeen, and last year where he scored nineteen, and then obviously his rookie season where he scored thirteen. But other every season other than that, he scored over twenty goals, and his shooting percentage has been over ten percent. and And I think it's going to trend upwards. And, and really, I mean, people are are jumping to conclusions on on a guy like Corey Perry because he makes the most money on the Ducks and they compare salaries to guys like Crosby and other guys around the league and say, well, if if you know if he's making this much, he should be producing at a higher level. And and to some extent, I agree. And he obviously had an off season last year, but you know you got to give a guy a chance. It's one bad season for him. It's one bad season in in the last ten for for Corey Perry. And and you know I think he's gonna most likely get over 20 goals next year, if not push for 30, depending on who he's playing with. And, and I think we're all going to forget about all this talk that we had last year. If he continues to shoot the puck at the same rate he did, if he continues to play around the same minutes that he did uh, last season, he'll be fine uh, come next season. Yeah, I mean, he still had 19 goals. It's not terrible, mm-hmm. but I know. I know everyone else is going to say, well, yeah, he had 19, but hello, you know, he had 30 uh, the last two seasons and 40 before that. So, I mean, I get it. You know, he, he needs to get back up to 25 to 30, and I think he will do that. I think he'll be fine. 
you know, he had a lot more assists this year, which was a little bit different. You know, he had 34 assists, which, um, you know, was a, a, not a career high, but up there in terms of, you know, some of his recent seasons. He had 39 back in 2013. But uh, over the last five or six seasons, that's, you know, outside of that, it's been his highest. So he's still playing at a, at a high level. Obviously, we want him to go at a little bit more of a higher level, um, which would help the Ducks this year, too. And if the Ducks don't go out and get anybody, I mean, you know, they can still make it. They can still go far. Uh, like we talked about this year, injuries kind of killed the Ducks in that last series. Obviously, um, when you don't have Eves the whole series, uh, you know, Raquel gets hurt. Uh, Gibson's out those couple games. I mean, that killed the Ducks. So if the Ducks keep this team, uh, don't get another significant forward, uh, I still think they can win the division. And I still think they can go deep in the playoffs. It's just going to be a matter of them staying healthy. Um, but I, I would like to get still, like we said, it's it's kind of the theme of the show, but we just need one more guy at least. Uh, if, if we have to settle and get two average guys, you know, if we can't get a, a big-name guy, that may be something the Ducks will have to look at doing. We've mentioned a lot of names out there. Um, but in terms of cap space with 5.7, uh, you know, they may uh, get one of these other guys below Marlowe and then go get another depth type guy. But that's kind of the status uh, of the Ducks right now, Eddie, uh, where they're at. Um, some of the uh, RFA news, too. Uh, this past week, the Ducks did uh, sign Magna and Boyle back. So they're with the team. Uh, Gortz and Sorensen are still out there. They've, they've been given the qualifying offers. They haven't been picked up. And uh, Edom and Figuera are, you know, out in the wind. They haven't been picked up by anybody else. So that's kind of the status of the Ducks right now, Eddie. Uh, what do you think as far as the term, you know, uh, the Ducks' chances uh, next season? Yeah, I think if they don't get anybody, uh, guys are definitely going to have to step up. We, we just talked about Perry. Obviously, he's going to have to step up and, and get back to his normal self and at least get over 20, 25, 30 goals uh, this next season. Um, Eves is going to have to come back and, and play well. I don't think he's going to get 30 goals. Uh, but if he can come back and get 15, 20 and just play a solid role for the Ducks, I think that's great for him. Silverberg is going to have to play well. Raquel especially is going to have to come back and, and play similar, if not better, to how he played last year if they don't pick up any forwards. And guys that stepped up last year are going to have to continue to progress. I think uh, Andre Casher is going to have to continue to, to get better. Nick Ritchie is going to have to take another step forward. And then I think they'll be okay if they can do that. The defense is exactly the same. Montour hopefully doesn't have a, a slump. Uh, like Theodore had last season. Uh, hopefully he can come up and still play well, and then they'll be fine on defense. And then you've got guys like Jakob Larson who could step up into the lineup. Uh, but, you know, I think they're in a good spot now. Don't get me wrong. I think they can challenge for a playoff spot for sure and, and for the Pacific Division title. Um, I just think, you know, we mentioned this in the playoffs and, and all throughout the season, even in the offseason so far, that they, they're kind of one big piece away from being that, you know, marquee contender. Um, and, you know, we haven't really seen them get it. You know, is I don't know if Marlowe is that big piece that they, that can really push them over the top, but I think he definitely is, is you know, he helps. And the one place the Ducks struggled last year was getting depth scoring from all the way throughout the lineup, and the fourth line really didn't get much going. The third line at times, depending on who was on it, didn't get much going. If if you split up Raquel, Kessler, and Gatsloff, I think that fixes it a bit there, but you know, maybe then putting Kasha and uh, putting Vermette and, and putting, um, you know, Richie or whoever, even Shaw on, on the fourth line, that makes it a bit better and you have at least some creativity and offense coming from that line. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think the lineup's dictated a lot. I think maybe if we see some guys make it out of camp, we've already talked about this, but we don't really see 
really any of the forwards making it out of camp, but there's always a possibility, um, and that kind of really molds the lineup. It's a, it's a question that's easier to answer at the beginning of the season when we know what the lineup's going to look like, who's going to be playing where. Uh, but as of now, I think they're I think they're okay. I agree, and you know, you talk about uh, the, the younger guys coming up. You know, the Ducks development camp is underway right now. Uh, the Ducks, they just had the one open day, uh, July 2nd, uh, at Anaheim Ice. That's already been going on. They had a practice and a scrimmage. We'll have some articles and, and updates on that after it's, uh, completed. And, um, we've been posting some stuff. We've had, you know, different articles on some of the guys and the draft picks and whatnot. So follow that. We'll have all those on there. Um, the only other, uh, news really this week, Eddie, was the, the Ducks assistant coaches. They did, um, get two new, uh, faces for the Ducks, um, Steve Konowalchuk and Mark. Morrison. So they joined uh, the Ducks assistant coaches. Trent Yanni is still there. I know some people asked. They wondered where he went. I go, he didn't go anywhere. He's still there. So the the Ducks added these two guys. Um, you know, Connor Walchuk uh, actually coached uh, the Thunderbirds and uh, Shea Theodore. So there's that connection there. And you also had Morrison. He was an assistant coach in the um, AHL for several seasons, and uh, including the uh, Manitoba Moose, which Carlisle was connected to that team. So you got some connections there with the Ducks already with both of these guys. Um, they're going to come in, um, and I think it'll help too, Eddie. Uh, they should be able to, um, you know, get this team also going in the same direction as they were last season. Yeah, I, I think it's great to have some fresh faces in there. I think Steve Connell Walchuk's a great signing. I mean, he took the Seattle Thunderbirds, who were a, g- a good team in the Western Hockey League, but they weren't the best team. They came into the playoffs fourth, and he took them past some very good teams. He took them past Sam Steele's Regina Pats, who were the clear favorites, beat them in the Western Conference uh, Championships, sorry, the Western Hockey League Championships, and took them to the Memorial Cup, where obviously they, they struggled and, and they didn't go far in the Memorial Cup. But, I mean, he's a great guy to bring in. I mean, he took a team that wasn't supposed to be that great and, and took them and coached them to a West, uh, Western Hockey League Championship. So it's great to have him in there and, and his input. And then, obviously, uh, bringing in a, a guy who has had some experience in the, the uh, American Hockey League is always great. And I think it's just... You know, to have some fresh faces, to have some new ideas in there, it's going to help things like the power play and like the penalty kill. And just, you know, obviously Carlisle's had some uh, history with these guys as well, so that will help. So, it'll be, we'll, you know, it's something we have to wait and see how it plays out. Uh, but like I said, it's great to have some new guys behind the bench and some new ideas. Yeah, and you know, that's one thing we didn't talk about on this show. I mean, we've talked about it before, but as far as next season too, I think another big key not just you know the roster. Obviously, we've harped on that for you know a good portion, but part of it's the specialty team play. You know the that that really dwindled uh, towards the very end of the season, going into the playoffs. I mean, it was it was decent during the season, but it really struggled. So I think that's another key um, that they're going to have to work on, Eddie. And I think, like you said, bringing in fa- uh, fresh faces um, is going to help because um, I, I really think. You know the injuries and the specialty team. You know lack of you know the specialty teams is is what hurt the Ducks, especially down the stretch last year. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that that was something that struggled throughout the season at times and and definitely into the playoffs. I mean, I I points in the playoffs, the penalty kill was awful, and then the power play was awful. So you know those you there was um and like you're looking at other teams and how they performed in special teams in the playoffs and people were surprised the Ducks made it so far with how poor yep. uh, they yep. were and, and really uh, their five on five play is what saved them and the, the ability to come back from different games and you know that was the reason that they made it so far and you know it's a, it was a complete turnaround from the season before that where they were 
I believe they finished first in both power play and penalty kill. And they had the same coaching staff behind the bench. So, you know, it's pretty and pretty much the same team makeup as well. And obviously Eves was a big losing Eves, sorry, and Raquel uh was a big part of the power play struggling at times during the playoffs. But you can't just put it on that. It was fairly bad throughout the entire playoffs. So yeah, bringing in the new faces, maybe a new system, depending on where you put guys on, on the power play and who they bring in will hopefully help the Ducks move that up. But yeah, you, if you're going to go far in the playoffs, you have to have at least one of them has to be near the top, at least either the power play or the penalty kill, if not both. Yeah, and that, that was the point. Like you said, it, it was you know very inconsistent throughout the season. It wasn't you know terrible that it was killing the team, but you know it wasn't as good like you had mentioned the season before. It was just kind of up and down. You know they'd have some stretches of of good specialty team play, and then the stretches of nothing. So um, that's another thing that the, I think that these assistant coaches coming in are going to help uh, this team with as well. So um, with that, you know we're going to wrap up this show. I uh, just want to remind you too, all the uh, transactions that the Ducks do make are posted uh, on the on the website. They are um, on the top of the Ducks and Pucks blog page on Facebook and on Twitter. There's a link on there. It's updated. Uh, maybe not always right away but all the stuff's on there you know it'll be on there so it's updated through all the moves um through the first uh day of free agency so check that out um also check out the t-shirts still selling those uh tpnhockey.com uh, we still have some of the manson shirts left that are going to charity uh as well so check those out on the website and um with that have a good uh fourth of july slash uh, canada day weekend and we'll see you in a week or two let's go ducks